0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. I am so glad that you are joining us. Today we continue in our summer sermon series, Love Your Neighbor, looking to Psalm 139. And we talk about what it means to love our neighbors who are uh, in the disability community. Uh, who identify with a disability, who are living with a disability, and we get to hear from Betsy Guy as she talks about her fantastic work uh, starting the nonprofit My Village Northwest, uh, working with families and individuals with disabilities. Uh, we name explicitly, and I'll name it here, that if you are someone with a disability or you identify with the disabled community, you are loved, you are. Fearfully and wonderfully made in God's own image. God knows you and God sees you. God loves you and I love you as well. So check out this sermon from Love Your Neighbor and uh, we'll talk to you soon. So this summer, we're navigating this series called Love Your Neighbor, where we're listening to the powerful stories and testimonies of people in our community who are loving their neighbor, people who are living Out their love, who are expressing and sharing that love with those we might keep oppressed or marginalized or on the outsides of community, people who are participating in what God is already doing in our world. And our hope is that we would hear these stories, we would receive these stories, and we would be challenged to go and do likewise. So far we've heard from Alex Watkinson as she shared her hopes and dreams of loving neighbor through sustainable and equitable agriculture as a means of justice. And and then we heard from uh, Marsha Stickle who shared about seeing your neighbor especially uh, across a table over some food, sharing in a meal. And and then we heard from Jim O'Farrell who shared about loving neighbor through shelter and the idea that building houses could lead to building homes of abundance and love and community. Today, we will hear in just a little bit from Betsy Geib about the way she loves her neighbor. But first, I want to share a couple uh, thoughts. When I was in college, uh, a group of friends and I, we joined what was called Dance Marathon. And if you've ever seen me dance, you'll assume that this student-run nonprofit is not actually about dancing, and your assumption would be correct. (laughs) Dance Marathon is a program that raises funds and awareness for pediatric rehabilitation programs at some of our local partnering hospitals. And so we were put into groups uh, that partnered with local families, and and my group got to journey with uh, a young man named Austin and his family over the course of the year. Austin was born with a couple of disabilities, uh, one impacting his eyes, the other impacting his legs. (laughs) Now, I'm remembering that it was one of our earlier check-ins. I, I was sitting there with the executive director of Dance Marathon. I, I was there as the leader, facilitator of my team, and we were meeting at a coffee shop. And she was asking me how things were going. Uh, how's the team? Are they feeling supported? How are you enjoying the program? And by now, we had done a few uh, fall events. We we took Austin and his family to the local art fair. We did uh, pumpkin painting and carving with them. We, we went trick-or-treating. And I was already looking uh, ahead to the more opportunities we would have to spend with Austin and to create uh, more of these spaces uh, to be together. And she looked at me from across the coffee table and she says, tell me about Austin. I blanked. I didn't know. She said, Joe... You have the drive and passion to be one of our top team leaders, but all of that is meaningless if you don't get to know Austin. She continued. She said, I'm going to give you some hints, since Austin is one of our returning families. She went on to tell me how he did love art, how he had a passion for uh, storytelling, how he had a particular gift in music, how he loved to sing and play piano. It's, it's what led me to have one of the most sacred moments of my life, uh, him playing keyboard and me strumming on my guitar next to him as he sang out the lyrics of the song, uh, Dare You to Move by Switchfoot. It's all meaningless if you don't get to know Austin. You know, there's something beautiful about the Psalms. We, we, we trust that God is with us in every season of our lives, from the mountaintops to the valleys of the shadow of death, and we, we can embrace our full humanity and our mortality because of God's presence and promise of life. The Psalms capture the fullness of the human experience, from profound praise to unspeakable anger and doubt. The Psalms capture all seasons of human life, seasons of joy and anguish and hurt, of unexpected newness and surprise when we least expect it. And here in Psalm 139, we see this intimacy of God knowing us. We didn't read uh, these verses in our text this morning, but listen to how this psalm starts. This is verse 1 through 5 of Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Already in these first six verses, the psalmist addresses God directly ten different times. You have searched me. You know me. You discern. You hem and that intimacy continues in our texts. This intimacy of God knowing us. Verse 13, for it was you who formed you knit. But one of the things that I love about this passage is what happens next. It's verse 14. And remember again, up until now, these first 13 verses in it, God is real and close and personal to us. God knows us. And then we get to verse 14 and hear what happens. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. It's not only that God knows us. It's not only that God invites us into relationship with God that we might know God as well. That we might know God as well. Today we're talking about disabilities, and I want to say a few things pretty plainly this morning. Here's the first thing. If you are someone living If you are someone living with a disability or considers yourself disabled hear this You are wonderfully made exactly as you are God knows you God loves you God created you period Here's a second thing church It's not enough to simply acknowledge that our siblings with disabilities are wonderfully made known by God. The challenge is, are they known by us? Listen, as of 2010, about 56.7 million or 20% of the U.S. population had a disability according to a broad definition of disability, and more than half of them report a disability as severe. Over 1 billion people, or 15% of the world's population, live with some sort of disability. And despite that, estimates are that 80 to 85% of churches don't have any level of special needs ministry. Last one. More than 90% of church-going special needs parents cite that the most helpful support would be, quote, a welcoming attitude toward people with disabilities, end quote. And many of them continue to say that the attitude is not yet experienced. Church, if we claim to know that all people are known by God, that all people are loved by God, created in God's own image, are we living out that love in our actions? Are we living out that love in our actions? Betsy Guy will continue this thought as she shares with us this morning about the way she loves her neighbor, and I'm grateful to her for taking the time to connect, to record. I know that I was incredibly blessed in getting a chance to sit down with her, to hear from her, and to hear more of her story, and I know you will too, and so let's go to that video now.
1: My name is uh, Betsy Guybe, and um, I'm married to my husband, Graham Guybe, and we have two daughters, uh, Clarice, who is 22, and Bianca, who is 19, Um, and we have been coming here, I don't even know how many years it's been, but it was uh, Clarice, uh, Bianca was, um, it was before she was in kindergarten, Uh but yeah. So it's been a while.
0: So if you can think back all the way those many years ago, what were you looking for something in particular? What drew you to this community?
1: Yeah. So we were church shopping after we had moved um, up here, and we'd gone to a couple of different places. We came. I actually came here first by myself just to check it out, mainly because it's it was convenient, <laughs> and we knew one family that had been coming here actually. Um, so I came and honestly, uh, Celeste uh, welcomed me. Um, I think probably uh, there were a few other peoples, but I remember Celeste and I talked to her specifically about needing a place for, um, for our family. <laughs> and that Clarice had developmental delays and what would that look like? And she was just so affirming and so kind that it felt safe.
0: Yeah, so you all have been here for a little while and uh, uh, throughout that time, I know you all have been really engaged in the life of the church. Uh, Tell us some of the ways that you've been involved.
1: Sure, okay, so uh, Graham and I have participated with uh, the core, a core group that we've been, I don't know, that's probably 10 years now. It's been a core group of people have met Um, and we've maintained friendships obviously um, supported one another through lots of different uh, parts of life and things that have been going on good and bad or good and hard I should say and the girls um, grew up in the church they participated in youth group for many many years and uh, like you said the the uh, summer trips and the mission trips and uh, also, um, the VBS, they both participated in VBS, first coming into VBS and then helping out with VBS. And um, we've also uh, been involved with the Wonderfully Made ministry um, here at the church. Yeah, and tell
0: us about that, Wonderfully Made. It's a, it's a relatively newer program, I would right. say, from uh, our ministry context, but tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, so I think of it as a, as a support group. For the families in this church who um, have or are, are impacted by disability of some sort. Um, mostly it's it's parents that are meeting, but it wasn't just parents, it was also grandparents, and in some cases, um, you know, other people that were um, in the disability field yeah. that would come together about monthly. Yeah. And again, it's a it's a sharing and a, a celebration and, and support of everything around being in a family. Family with a person with a disability
0: yeah and making sure that uh, it's in our consciousness mm. of the recognizing the fullness of the diversity of our community and I know uh, one of the things that wonderfully made also was really uh, instrumental in is uh, helping create buddy system mm. supporting uh-huh. uh, throughout worship and Sunday school programming as well as creating fidgets and, and looking at different learning styles right now you mentioned earlier um, that Clarice has uh, is living with a disability yes um, and that has impacted your whole Life so much so that you uh, were instrumental in starting a, a nonprofit, uh, My Village Northwest. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so um, Clarice went to the developmental preschool here in town, and um, I was part of a, a PTA that was there. And there was just this really good core group of people, and we became really close and fast friends um, throughout that year. And at the end of the year, as it is in our district, our kids were going to go off to all of these different schools be- based on where they had a program for them. Um, and we did not want to lose that connection. So we, we I, <laughs> started a, um, a group, at that point it was a nonprofit. It was just a group. We I decided that we would start with us what we called our special Santa event. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that first special Santa event, I just wanted to follow it up with something so that our families that had come together could continue to meet and grow together. So um, in that first year. We expected to have about maybe 15 families show up to this event, and we had about 40 families show up to that event, and from that point on, we just continued to meet monthly for potlucks, um, and then one thing led to another, and we, you know, had a board, and then people, we had more events, and eventually at some point we decided we would become a nonprofit. We are now at the point where we do our uh, can-do every year, which has been a, a celebration of our community, with our community if that makes sense, yeah. because we do feel loved when when we're at that event and, and the community shows up for it. Um, and we continue to have our special Santa every year, which is an opportunity for, for kids who can't handle being in a different space to come and, and visit with Santa. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What I appreciate so much about the story is that Um, you find community and you find action both in the life Mm. of the church and beyond the walls Mm. and recognizing that our faith isn't to be kept within but it challenges us to look beyond tell us why uh and how your faith really impacts this work that this amazing work that you and um, your colleagues and your friends are doing
1: yeah that's a good question I think you know, for it's it's difficult because it's very personal for me, right? There's a personal aspect to it. Um, I I do this because I love my daughter. I do this because um, I love her friends, and her friends don't always get that love. They don't always, like they don't always, they aren't seen necessarily. Um, So providing opportunities for, and I do it because I love the the families, (laughs) providing opportunities for people to, to come and really feel like they can come as they are to events is important.
0: That's such an expression of love. You yeah. use love multiple mm-hmm. times in that in that response. Just and this idea that as we're navigating this summer sermon series of love your neighbor,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it really draws into this idea of who are the people around us yeah. that we might not always uh, that might not be visible to us, and how do we uh, care for and love and put that love into action? Mm-hmm. And I know that you've been in this work for for many years now, and has have been uh, championing it from our faith community and in the broader community. What are some ways that we can, uh, as a community and as individuals, uh, really uh, love our neighbor, especially those uh, with disabilities?
1: Sure. So I I will say that as a community, one of the things the church has done already, and and I would love to see them continue to do, is um, literally to provide space. (laughs) Um, There have been a couple of events that we've um, been able to do here, and it's been wonderful to know that we can come here as a group and have this space and feel supported that way. Um, As individuals and maybe as a community as well, and I'll just start by saying that uh, Clarice, my own daughter, is in the process of moving into a, a shared living space. And as she is beginning to move out, I realized personally that there are are these group homes, there are these places where individuals, uh, young young adults and even adults with intellectual disabilities specifically I'm thinking of here, they live in our community, they live in Bothell. I know there are group homes in Bothell. we never hear about them. We never think about them. We're not involved with them, and so I just, I just wonder. For, for Clarice, I would love to have people visit her. I would love for them to know that she's there and whatever. And so I think about that with these other, with these other places as well. How do we reach out? How do we invite? How do we support um, these homes? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate uh, those action items and, and those tangible ways that we can uh, love our neighbors, love uh, those with disability, uh, physical or intellectual, and, and all of the above, and embrace. You know, as we continue on in this work towards transformation of our community here at Bethel and the broader community beyond the church walls, where do you find hope?
1: So, I I think that I find hope in many times in very small gestures. Um, I find hope when, I'm gonna talk in terms of my daughter now. Um, I find hope when people see her, when they actually see her and take the time to get to know her. Um, I find hope when um, she's included in, in whatever level that looks like, and for her it can be something very simple. I find hope, I think, in youth, because they're so much better than we are, They, I, I feel, they're, they're just so much kinder, usually, than I think, um, at least than I was growing up. The youth, I think, are hopeful. They, they, I think, have a great capacity for love and to see things maybe that, that we didn't see. Um, I, I find hope in... It was very hopeful to me, nice, however you want to say it, when um, this year during the Can Do race... I know it's a pandemic. I know it's tough for everyone. And in this community, the church community has continued to show up for the Can Do. And, and I came and it was raining and people were here and we walked around the block and it, it felt nice, right? That, that felt good. Um, I guess that's that's where I find hope. Betsy Guyb and I love my neighbor by providing safe and supportive spaces for families who experience disabilities to come together.
0: All right, so that was the latest sermon of our Love Your Neighbor series. Thanks again to Betsy Guyb as she shared her story. I hope you heard that challenge to uh, see our neighbors, to often uh, people with disabilities are uh, invisibilized. They are forced to the margins. We want to celebrate the diversity of God's creation, the beautiful diversity of God's creation. And we want to celebrate you. Stick around for another episode later this week. And until then, we will talk to you soon.